This is the Detroit Mercy Cybersecurity 313 Podcast. Hello, this is Tamara Shoemaker, the Director for the Center for Cybersecurity and Intelligence Studies at the University of Detroit Mercy. And I am pleased as punch to be able to talk with Ken Ziegler, an alum, and as he will tell you, a very accomplished researcher in this area, who is one of the full-time faculty members at Oakland Community College in the Computer and Information Systems Program. Ken, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your specialization in cybersecurity? And I also want you to touch a little bit on the number of books that you all have published in this space. Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me today. It's always great to be able to express my excitement about the field of cybersecurity. I actually come to the whole field of cybersecurity from a slightly different perspective. I got my master's degree in an area called software management. And in that particular degree program, what had happened is we were taught how to manage each phase of the software life cycle. And what ended up happening is that coming out of that particular program, I began my teaching career. And eventually that led into my interest in cybersecurity once I had gone into teaching at the community college. But my point is that when a lot of folks think about cybersecurity, the first thing that they think of is all of the different technical aspects. And I come at it from a slightly different perspective in terms of the management of cybersecurity. There is a whole area of cyber that a lot of people don't think about that happens before you get into all the technical aspects, during the technical aspects, and after those technical aspects of cyber. Commonly, it's referred to as risk management. And essentially, what that means is that you go in and you are evaluating the assets of your organization, identifying which of those assets, and that could be not necessarily just, you know, servers or different types of technology infrastructure, but also facilities and even human resources, and identifying what is critical for the success of your organization. At that point, you identify what's at risk from a cybersecurity perspective, and then what are the vulnerabilities? And it's at that point that you begin to start looking at those assets from the perspective of what type of technology do we need to be able to secure in order to protect those critical assets. And so that's really where I come at things from that management perspective, looking at the risks associated with the assets of the organization, the vulnerabilities setting the policies associated with those risks and identifying what we need to do to be able to implement technology and managerial controls to protect the critical infrastructures. You mentioned that I've done quite a bit of writing over the last several years. I've co-authored eight books and have done several different articles on these different aspects of management of cyber. 
Wonderful. You take this instead of a bottom up sort of in the machine and firewalls and all the techie kind of stuff, you sort of start it from the top down, sort of what's the actual business case? What are we delivering? What do we do? What is our crown jewels, as folks have said, that we need to protect? And let's put the assets and the manpower and the things behind those things first, rather than just buying some cool gadget that's the next new thing. And so taking a managerial and a very procedural guideline kind of way of doing it, right? There are proper procedures to follow and things to go through that you do. You just don't snap things on here and there, but you go through the whole risk management approach of things. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's really cool about that is that, you know, you're not sort of left alone in terms of how to do all of these managerial activities. Uh, There are standards out there that define exactly what you need to do. A lot of my research has been in understanding the implementation of a group of standards that have been developed by the National Institute of Standards and Technology, more commonly referred to as NIST. And when we look in terms of the management of cybersecurity and even implementing those technology controls, if you are able to go out there get access to the NIST website and be able to understand and read those standards out there. Everything that you need is right there in writing. You just need to be able to have those skills to be able to implement them correctly. And from what I understand, since I happen to be married to one of the co-authors of some of those books, part of your goal in writing these books was to take those standards and make them more understandable to the general public and folks that would have to implement them and systematically break them down so that they could be implemented in a corporation, in an IT shop, anywhere, and actually uh, have legs, right? And it's not just this big binder full of things that you use to prop the door open. That's correct. And uh, we've taken a completely holistic approach to cybersecurity and looked at it from a complete body of knowledge. Wonderful. And I know that you guys have had an exciting go at that and have been very inspirational to all of us that are involved. And in fact, Dan and I and some folks in the K through 12 space are working on doing a K through 12 edition, a handbook for our K through 12 instructors who are kind of floundering right now with cybersecurity and how to integrate that early on. So we truly appreciate the work that you guys have been doing. I know that you're a part of a coalition of schools that we put together back in 2005. And this was a long time ago, so not everybody understood what cybersecurity was. In fact, it wasn't even called cybersecurity back then, right? It was information assurance. And so part of what our remit was at the UDM as a center of excellence was to make sure that all of the community colleges and universities around us in our area knew about what this was. And you were one of the early adopters. There's an interesting story about how Oakland Community College sort of went down that path. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was around 2003. And well, you had mentioned his name, so I'll mention it. My longtime mentor, Dan, her husband, had been having lunch with me. And he had been talking to me about the fact that UDM had just become what was referred to as a center of excellence through a program that was initiated by the NSA, more specifically through the Committee of National Security Standards, or CNSS. And the idea for universities was that the CNSS defined skills that they wanted universities to educate students that would be potential federal employees in the area of cyber. And 
if you were able to match to two of these skill standards, let's call them, as well as do some other internal things within your own program, you would be defined as a center of academic excellence. Community colleges at that time didn't have that capability. However, CNSS did say, if you matched to one of our standards of these skills, we would at least recognize you as providing these different skills and matching to one specific standard. So in this lunch conversation I had with Dan, he said, you know, Ken, you probably already have courses that provide all of these skills. And I said, well, let me take a look at it. And so what I did was I went through and I identified nine different courses within our existing program back in 2004 that did 100% match those skills that were defined by CNSS, more specifically the 4011 standard. And I went through the application process and got Oakland Community College recognized. And at the same time, we created a program which we called uh, Information Technologies for Homeland Security. But what I did was I emphasized the fact that not only had we created a program in this new up-and-coming area of information technology called information security and then eventually cyber. But more specifically, I had created a program that was based on a nationally adopted set of best practices. And that was very important in terms of the acknowledgement that OCC could get. At the same time, I was involved in a program through Oakland County referred to as Tech Prep. And what Tech Prep did was it provided the capability of a high school junior or senior to take classes in high school. And if they successfully got specific scores in those classes, they would equate to credits within our program. And that was true within this information technologies from Homeland Security. So what I had done effectively there is I had created a two plus two. 16 credits could be achieved at the junior or senior level in high school. And then you would transfer them right into Oakland Community College. Then what I did was I went to the other end and I began to create articulation agreements, more commonly referred to as transfer agreements, with a number of universities. Specifically, I focused on the universities that had been established as centers of excellence. At that time, we had the University of Detroit Mercy, Walsh, and Eastern eventually came on board. And I began to create three plus one agreements with those institutions. So now you could take upwards to 70 or 80 credits at OCC and then transfer that into one of the centers of excellence. So even though I dubbed this as a two plus two plus two career path into a 
field in cybersecurity. More specifically, I provided students that capability of being able to start in high school, get excited about the field in general, move into the community college, and then eventually transfer everything seamlessly directly into one of the centers of excellence. Exactly. So you made a super highway here, right? So right out of high school, you're hitting the ground running. I mean, it's one of the things at the university level, one of the things that we're just begging and praying for is for this information to get into the hands of these kids much younger, right? It's really difficult for us to have them arrive as a freshman in college and just say, well, I haven't done anything in this area at all, but I think I'm going to major in cybersecurity suddenly without any background, without any of the precursor kind of courseware and things. So now we have to spend the first couple of years getting them up to speed on what a computer is, (laughs) what the components are, and then start to build on to what cybersecurity principles are and that kind of stuff. And so it's our dream that many of this stuff can be handled in the K through 12 space, and then brilliantly handled in the community college space to finish off those highly technical areas that you guys are so proficient at doing. I mean, and it's one of the reasons that I think our coalition just sort of at the state and regional area, it just blew up because all of you community colleges sort of took the initiative to really double down on these courses and make these cybersecurity courses that you guys deliver at a technical level, really, really much more efficient and really, really robust. And I got to say, Ken, that you were one of the leaders in growing that coalition because you took all of your lessons learned those first couple of years trying to get all this stuff taken care of. And what my husband loves to refer to becoming mapped and becoming a consenter is the fiery hoops that you have to jump through. You know, you did all that and then you passed on that knowledge to the other community colleges that started to come to our meetings and started to hang out with us and go to SISI, which is a national coalition of all of the centers of academic excellence that get together yearly. You were right there helping all of them. And it's sort of the unspoken rivalries between universities and community colleges and all that for butts in the seats for the students. But in this case, that just wasn't the case. It was a brand new field. Everyone was excited about it. Everyone knew it was darn important. And we really needed to be serious about this. We really needed to get these kids trained up and trained up quick. If we didn't want to have the lights go dim, (laughs) you know, and have no infrastructure, right? And you were right there to do that kind of stuff. And I got to say that you helped a ton of folks do that. And then once we sort of built that, and I know you must be surprised. I know I'm surprised. We have over 12 centers of excellence in the state of Michigan and more coming all the time. And it takes a lot to have that happen, you know, to do that. You really have to go through a ton of fiery hoops to get all the things in line that you need to do to be called a center of excellence by DHS and NSA. And so you were instrumental in many of those folk getting there. And then after that, when that work was completed or was pretty darn well on its way, then that's when you and my husband and Anne and many others had came in that he's partnered with and co-written books with and continued that to make sure that these people who were now teaching it had tools to use in the classroom to be able to teach it, because that's another huge hole, right? So we're all IT teachers, we're all in the IT field, and suddenly we're in the cybersecurity field because we have an adversary who's attacking us. And so we need the tools, right? We need to catch up. 
bad guys are way ahead. <laughs> and so you guys were very instrumental in doing that. I might even catch it sometimes from management when I'm trying to push the community colleges the way that I do, because I truly feel you guys do an amazing job at the level that you're working with these kids and highly technical stuff and the technology that's necessary, the equipment that's necessary and all the things that's necessary at that level. And you guys do such a great job so that when you transfer over to the university for us, we can now start working on all the managerial things you know, all of the higher thinking, grand scopes kind of things to think about when they're working on it. So they're not so face down just into the machine. We're able to do that. These kids hit the ground running with us. They know all the basic principles once they come out of the community college. But where do you see from your point of view, sort of how community college fits into this whole scheme of cybersecurity education? Well, I think you said it great. I really look at the educational path toward a career in cybersecurity as being three prongs. And again, we mentioned a second ago about the K through 12. We can't leave them out. Now, granted, tech prep has dissolved. We unfortunately don't have that as a mechanism for the K through 12 anymore. I do have to say that it is making a bit of a reoccurrence with the CTEs and some of the other things that are being pushed down on the K, because I am working in that space, being pushed down on the K through 12. They suddenly have rediscovered it. They aren't calling it two plus two and they're not calling it tech prac, but a whole bunch of folks in the state are realizing that they're wasting this valuable time down in the lower levels of education, that these kids, you know, they grow up with this technology my two-year-old grandsons can swipe on a phone or a laptop, a pad, like nobody's business and watch what he wants to do and do what they want to do. And so I think we're figuring it out that those lower levels need to do more. And so it is being resurrected. But again, there's been this time when there's been a downtime with that, right? There has, but there has been one specific instrument that even you have been very much involved with, as I have during the summertime, and that's been a program called Cyber Patriot. And for folks that aren't familiar with Cyber Patriot, what it is, is it's a competition that high schoolers can engage in. And what it does is it makes learning about cybersecurity fun, almost to the extent that you don't even realize you're learning about cybersecurity because you're so engaged and you're so involved in this competition. So... A lot of what happens in that K through 12, in addition to what we're starting to see in terms of the early college initiatives is what we call it in Oakland County, where we're starting to see the credits be transferred in again. In that K through 12, really what the goal is, get people excited about cyber, get them interested. And then when they come to the community college, at that point, you've hit that second prong. And at the community college, you're right, you mentioned it a minute ago, that's the point that we're going to introduce you to all the technical aspects. What is cybersecurity? Understanding all the different fundamental aspects. We get you educated in networking. We get you educated in Linux. All of the different technical aspects of cyber that then can be transferred over to the universities, where the universities can then focus on the higher level aspects, such as incidents response, forensic sciences, as well as incident recovery and things of that nature. So yeah, you were right on in terms of that ability for community colleges to serve as sort of that launching pad, if you will, to the other skills that students will achieve when they get to the universities. 
I think the other thing too, to make no small point about it, is the other pieces that that's really important about the community college and the role that they play is the retooling of IT professionals. So folks that have maybe had careers for 10, 20 years, and yet they've done it in some niche of IT, and now they need to know cybersecurity quick, quick, right? Because the barbarians are at the door, <laughs> or they've slipped in in an update. <laughs> and so they need to know how to do this in order to keep their job and keep themselves secure. And it's much easier for them to come back to the community college and take the courses for the things that they need, rather than try to go back maybe for a master's degree. But what I think about it is, is that it continues to inspire. I think exactly what you said, you know, they get a taste. Just like you said with the Cyber Patriot thing with the high school kids and middle school kids, it gives them a taste of what it is. It lets them know that this is an exciting career field. This is something they want to maybe shoot for. I feel the same way about the community colleges and IT people retooling. I truly think that it whets their appetite. They get their arms around it. They think, okay, it's not scary. It's not something that I can't handle. In fact, I've been an IT person forever. Now I see that, oh, this is quality with an adversary, right? And so I'm looking at this different now, you know, that I've gotten these community colleges things under my belt. Now I'm going to be thinking about a master's degree, maybe even a doctorate degree in this area. This is an amazing area of growth. You know, I really want to jump on this train, but it's a real nice way for them to get in that and to get it quick and to do that. And let's also be honest in an expensive way, right? And be able to stay in their own community. You know, one of the things I think why there's been such wonderful cooperation between all of you community colleges is let's be honest, you know, you go to a community college that's in your community. And so it's nice and easy and it's that gateway to education. And I just love it, you know, to expand everybody's possibilities in life. And we can't forget about the entry-level certifications. Absolutely. Um, Good point, Ken. One of the misconceptions that some people have, though, is that when you come to the community college that you'll get a couple of the certifications that are available to you through the skills that you receive from the community college. And then you can immediately go out and make, you know, six digits. And that just isn't possible. Um, You know, we're still in an era that you're going to need to have a four-year education, regardless what area of IT you go into. Now, that's not to say that you can't go out there and be successful in an entry-level position. But again, those certifications that you can get while you're learning those technical skills at the community college are going to be invaluable to Absolutely. So those uh, stepping stones, right? I mean, right. there's just no easy way to success. You know, this whole thing about how I'm just going to do a couple of real, real short kind of things and then poof, I'm going to be making millions of dollars and be the undiscovered talent of the world or whatever. This isn't the case, right? It takes a plan. It takes a path. You know, you have to stick to it. You might get sidetracked and you might have to take a couple of detours, but you got to get back to it. And it's just going to take planning and it's going to take a nice systematic way of working through it. And community college, I feel like, is one of those important pieces that can really help do that. You mentioned that people think it's a quick fix sometimes, and that's true. These certificates are going to do everything. And it's like, no. But again, it's one more tool that you have that you can pull out. One more thing that makes you individual and makes you stick out from some others, folks. But especially in IT and in cybersecurity, this is a moving target, man. And this is not something you can sit on your hands and just go ahead and say, oh, well, I've done this for 20 years, so I got it all. You know, I mean, if we can go back to the news of the last couple of days about people who've made comments about, oh, we got this, and they've had the evil influence sitting in their corporation for over a year, just waiting for their opportunity. So 
anyone who says that I've got this and that they're done learning in this space doesn't have a real handle on it. Do you see any other challenges for folks that are thinking about community colleges or this career field on its own? One little certificate's not going to make you a millionaire. (laughs) Um, Are there other misconceptions or any other difficulties that you kind of kind of bump against here as a community college faculty and looking forward? Well, number one, from a student perspective, just understanding that when we are introducing concepts at the community college, we're focusing a little bit more technical. Mm-hmm. And going back to what I originally said, folks need to keep in mind that as they're learning these technical aspects of cyber, those technical aspects have been really driven by what has been defined by the management and the policies and the risks that have been identified prior to even getting to those technologies. And it's almost kind of a darned if you do, darned if you don't, because you need to know the technology in order to be able to know what management to put into place, but then you need to know the management in order to know what technology Absolutely. I mean, no one wants to have a pointy-headed boss, as the cartoons would talk about it, where who doesn't actually know any of the things, but's insisting that you do stuff that you know technically can't be done. Or the opposite, they think it's being done because they're being told, but they don't have any way of being able to judge that because they don't have a background in it too. So yeah, absolutely. It is a weird place. And I know that you and I've had discussions before as coalition members and as friends about how the community college is kind of in a rock and a hard place sometimes because you're supposed to be, and I think the high schools right now are having the same problems. They're being expected to produce somebody who can hit the ground running the minute they graduate and get a job and also prepare them to go on to get a four-year degree. Because like you said, let's be honest, the industry is not accepting anyone with a two-year degree in any kind of managerial positions. And then also they're expecting years and years of experience. And in fact, I get very frustrated with HR folks. They'll ask for years of experience in a language that was invented a year ago. You know, so there are some strange expectations of the unicorns that we're supposed to be graduating. And so that's part of the deal, right? Like you said, we have to really be real with our students and explain to them the process and what's going to happen and how to do that. And also, I think it's on us to also talk to industry and let them know the kind of unicorns that they're looking for just don't exist and that they will have to train their folks. They will have to help catch them up, you know, with where they're at and that what we're giving them is a product that's ready for that information that can handle it, right? That they can take what we've already given them and then move them forward. It is not by any means a finished product. Anybody who's saying they're graduating finished products are kind of like the companies that are saying they're completely safe. It's just not true, right? But what we hope is that we're producing life learners, folks that understand that this is a continuing process. I mean, none of us are stopping in this process. We're definitely moving forward all the time. Yeah, and that's something that has never changed in IT. I mean, you never stop learning. You look at all the different technology that evolves and you know we're in a field that next week there could be a new technology now we're into not only do we have to adapt to that new technology but we've got to be able to make sure that that technology is secure and yes, please. That cars that are going to be riding down the road without anybody driving them and you know all the other ai stuff that's being suggested that's done we truly want to make sure that stuff's all secure right I think some of the things that have happened in the last couple of weeks have underlined that real, real clear for all of us. 
And that's a lot of what's driving us at the community college level, too, is that we're continuously trying to keep up with the changes that the K through 12 are making in terms of how they're introducing things. In Oakland County, we have tech centers that provide the primary source for the kids that we typically get into our cyber program. We get some from the other high schools, but primarily it's those kids that are coming from those tech centers. And we have to adapt to the changes that they're making. Obviously, we don't want to reteach things that they've learned in high school. So it becomes not only a case of staying in coordination with the other four-year partners, but also staying in communication with the K-12 through space and making sure that we're in line with introducing the new material and adapting in that way. But then again, in terms of the things that the future holds for community colleges, one of the things that is really being driven hard is the interdisciplinary nature of cybersecurity. One of the things that really hit home, particularly when I was writing the Joint Task Force Body of Knowledge, which was the last book that I had written with your husband. And 2017, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 2017, 2018. And that was based on a standard that had been developed by the Joint Task Force, but it defined a body of knowledge. But that particular standard was based on a four-year curriculum. And during that time, I had found a similar standard that could be adopted by two-year institutions. It's called Iron Dog. And while the two paralleled quite significantly, what I noticed is that Cyber hits just about every area of a community college. I could make a case for cyber being introduced within psychology courses. I can make a case that it can be introduced within business. So what I think is going to happen is that we're going to continue to see this evolution of interdisciplinary needs for introducing cyber, not just within the IT space anymore. I think that's groundbreaking. I mean, I think that's the point, right? I mean, I think you and I both know this, like you said earlier, that this is a holistic piece, right? That it touches everything. I mean, name an industry that isn't run by IT, right? And so therefore they have cybersecurity issues. And so, like you said, there isn't a discipline out there though, that it's not touching. And I talk about it as being a cultural change that we need to have and our thought pattern, you know, kind of like what we think about with public health and public safety and, 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 you know, this is one of those things, right? This is definitely about public safety. It's on the internet. And so it feels a little awkward, you know, as far as talking about it as being a public thing that has to be taken care of. But I mean, it truly is touching everyone, right? Well, yeah. You look at how it's been integrated into the automotive industry here in the Detroit area. That is one thing that we really need to begin to look deeper at is what we need to do to educate folks that are going out there and implementing these different technologies in the automotive. 
But I mean, like you said, even social sciences and, 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 you know, the bullying that happens, the stalking that happens, the romance scams that happen, you know, the romance scams are not going after some big corporation's IP. They're going after, you know, grandma's nest egg because she's now suddenly widowed and she is reaching out to people out in the internet community and trying to connect. And so that has absolutely nothing to do with technology and is the crypt using the technology? Absolutely. You know, is the internet allowing them to be anonymous? Yes. And is that why they can do it? For sure. But the point is, is that, you know, if we don't understand sort of the psychology behind why people can get into those situations, it's not going to help. We're not going to be able to fix it. And we certainly can't throw a firewall at it. Exactly. In fact, a lot of those senior citizens and things oh, like that don't bad. even know what a firewall is. Right. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm tech support for mom and dad. So yeah, absolutely. You know, I had that discussion over Christmas, just having my mom talk about her email and trying to get into her Facebook account. Apparently she's got three or four because she keeps forgetting her passwords and they keep locking her out. So she just opens up a new one. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, mama, that's not the way to go at this. But you know, what does she know? I mean, it's not something that in her lifetime is anything that makes any sense. But now we've got these kids, like I said, my grandkids who are being raised with screens in front of them. And, you know, are we doing an adequate job? Do you think that we are going to be able to keep up? I mean, how do you feel about the future? Well, if I had a crystal ball. (laughs) I know only, right? I guess I have to go back to that whole nature of adapting. You know, technology is going to continue to change. I mean, obviously, if I think in terms of what the whole nature of security was like, even back when I was getting my master's degree, security was Oh, getting that virus where a smiley face popped up on your computer screen and you had to turn off your computer to get rid of it. But you're right. We've got 5G networks that are beginning to evolve now. And how do we continue to protect these newer types of technology? And so everything's going to be technology driven and it's going to require folks that are very serious, very hands-on, very boots on the ground, as you like to say, in terms of being able to get that knowledge about that technology so that they can adequately secure it. I think in saying that, the fact that it's moving so quickly and it's always constantly in flux and stuff, I think it's exciting, at least to me. I mean, I bore easily, let's be honest. (laughs) But, you know, I've been able to remake myself and what I'm doing and and all that kind of stuff in this space over and over and over again. And I think everybody who's in this space has done that. No one has just stayed still. Everyone has reinvented themselves. One of the things that you talked about was that you use the NIST standards and guidelines and things that they're wonderful guides out there and they're constantly updating them and they're constantly working on them. One of the ones that I always refer to is the NIST NICE workforce framework, where it shows all of the, it's over 950 different job descriptions, different kinds of jobs in cybersecurity. And I think that piece is actually only going to move greater until it just sort of says every job is a cybersecurity job at some point, right? You know, I want my doctor to keep my dad's pacemaker safe. You know, I want my medical records to be safe. You know, I want our agricultural stuff to be safe. I don't want anybody to be able to slip anything into the supply chain on my food and all that kind of good stuff. So, but also, like I said, it inspires people, right? I mean, it's one of the things that working with the K through 12 thing really gets exciting because you see these new shiny pennies with all of their new innovation thinking and the way that they think. And because we're trying to make sure that they understand cyber right away, 
that we're hoping that that will be baked into their thought process as more and more of this innovation comes in and more acceptable in more fields. And not just saying, oh, well, it's just the nerds that like to sit in their mom's basement and play video games are the only people who are involved in this. It's just not the case. There isn't anything that isn't involved in this. And it's growing all the time. So I think it's an exciting place to be. I mean, I know it has been for me. I know. Did you ever think when you were graduating from UDM with your master's degree that you'd be traveling the country as a speaker and a book author and being board members on several boards and talking about all this kind of stuff in your spare time? No, in fact, I was hired originally at Oakland Community College to teach web development. So did I ever see the day that I would be working in cyber? No. But would I ever, uh, thinking back, would I ever change anything from the path that I've given myself? No, absolutely not. I've learned a a tremendous amount. I mean, cybersecurity is an extremely important and an extremely hot field. It's not going to go away anytime soon. And it's just been a phenomenal experience for me. I have to agree, Ken. And it's been a great opportunity for us to stay close and continue the relationship that we had when you were at school and continue on to go together and to go through all of these amazing changes together as a community of interest and to watch all the contributions that everyone has had in this and see it all moving forward and being able to produce a bunch more students, right, that are going to be taking over for us and doing all that stuff and protecting us when we finally get old enough to retire and and we can look back at what we've accomplished so far. It's been truly an honor to have you back and to have you on our podcast here. And we really appreciate you cutting out a little bit of your time on your vacation here to talk with us. Hopefully you'll come back again at another date and uh, sort of update us on some stuff that's going on at the community college level, because I know that things are all moving and shaking. I know that there's some really cool opportunities that are happening out in Oakland County. And so we would love for you to be able to come on back on. And so I truly thank you for your time, Ken. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to the Detroit Mercy Cybersecurity 313 podcast. If you would like more information on today's discussion, please contact Center Director Tamara Shoemaker by emailing shoematl at udmercy.edu. And please plan to join us again for the next edition of the Detroit Mercy Cybersecurity 313 podcast.